1: Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning, Kevin, from Fort Liberty out there in Fayetteville. How are you?
2: Good morning, sir. It's a beautiful, sunny morning.
1: You know, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I think I have a couple Fort Bragg T-shirts around the house here. But, you know, I'm going to have to look at those Liberty T-shirts, man. I don't know. You know, I kind of dug my Fort Bragg one. And I get it. Folks, I'm not picking on any name being changed because people used to be slave owners and terrible to people. They just, Maybe they shouldn't have been named that years ago. I don't know. But, oh, praise God, it's hard for me to remember names. I think I'll always call Fort Hood, Fort Hood, and I'll always call Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg, even though they're Liberty and Cavesos or something Amen. like that. and uh, yeah. But we we find ourselves today, so we're continuing on with the life of Christ. We get that. We're in the book of John, chapter 16. So significant, so important. Understanding the life of Christ, we can understand our lives, how we can serve them, how we can serve them better, how we can do a good job. And uh, But I want to talk about, as we go into this, I think we see a need for divine knowledge, the uh, knowledge that comes from God, knowledge that comes through prayer in his name, knowledge that comes through that unshakable joy that we talked about, through that spiritual growth, through that revelation that God gives us when we get saved, through, uh, div- you know, divine knowledge. And uh, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, in Proverbs 2, it says, and knowledge is pleasant unto my unto thy soul a wise man is strong, yea, and a man of knowledge increases strength. And, and then it's telling us in that in Proverbs again, in Proverbs eight, receive my instruction and 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 not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Knowledge is more significant than precious gems, precious stones, uh, precious metals, precious steel. Knowledge is more important than all of that. Uh, the heart of a man that haveth understand and seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. and and Kevin, honestly, you know, I just did a search in my commentary, and like six hundred things came up. And, you know, you kind of pick those things. But throughout Scripture, God is reminding us that knowledge isn't necessarily a college education. Knowledge isn't necessarily uh, reading a book. Even though all those things are important on how to fix uh, uh, your house or your car or your van, whatever the case may be. But when we're looking at this knowledge, we're looking at this divine knowledge that kind of having an understanding how God is expects us to be expects us to do how we find our joy that unshakable joy we talked about why we pray in jesus name how we have that spiritual growth and, and and kevin there's so much in knowledge that brings us to a place with god that you know we can we can get there every day and we can get a little better all the time but we can put more you know our brains may be finite but i'm nowhere near full
2: Yeah, that is that's the the thing is that we are lacking knowledge. And there's a verse in the scriptures that says, My people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that oftentimes is the problem. Ignorance. Charles Dickens wrote this a Christmas carol, and he was consumed with the idea of want and ignorance ruining the generation through the industrial revolution. It just, you know, the, chill, the, the, the sweat houses of factories and the ragged schools for children and whatnot, it was just a terrible time for people. And a lot of it was just the lack of knowledge. So that's important, but of course, knowledge is not everything. So the, there's another side of that coin is knowledge In itself puffeth up, it says in the New Testament, knowledge puffeth up, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Uh, Excuse me, bodily exercise. I'm mixing two scriptures. I didn't look it up. But knowledge puffeth up. And, you know, if any man thinketh he knoweth anything in this life or in this world, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. That's another verse. And so knowing can cause Intellectual pride and intellectual pride can uh, ruin a person. You know, narcissists a lot of times are full of intellectual pride. Yeah. You see these guys. I see, I see guys walk along the street with a girlfriend pushing a, a shopping cart. A, you know, down the shoulder of an interstate. I've seen already the girlfriend walking behind him pushing a shopping cart full of all the earthly goods, and he just knows so much, and no employer you know wants to hire someone that knows you know it, he says so much they're all jealous of his knowledge and and so she uh, at least in the beginning admiringly admir- admiringly follows him and if you've been through something like that you need to be careful if you if you're in a relationship with someone that's just knowledge but lacking what wisdom and understanding so knowledge is is information um, understanding is how it works and then wisdom is how to apply it. That's, that's how I've heard it, uh, described and defined. And we, we don't just want to have information that, that will make us, that that's enough. That's important. It's, it'll get you over ignorance, but it won't get you understanding to understand how it works. Case in point, you can know all about how to run a forklift and get on there and hurt yourself you know it's not just knowing the owner's manual it's it's understanding how to use it safely and how to make the thing work for you and there's a lot of people that come out of college educated beyond their intelligence scratching their ears you know 3 feet apart because of the knowledge they got, but they need to get you know more than that. But you know, the Holy Spirit of God gives us gives us uh, the application of knowledge, Doug. And I I've, I just am thankful that in this passage of Scripture that we're going to study. You know, we see over and over that that you know when we finally figure things out, when we get over our knuckleheaded ignorance and realize uh what God's trying to do in our lives and we wake up and say, Now I know it's uh, it's a good day.
1: Yeah, when I was in the army we used to walk around and there was a term, especially among us administrative types, which I was my last seventeen years in the army and uh uh you know information is power, knowledge is power, knowing the regulation, uh, knowing the people that make things happen. You know, when a person would, uh, when you, would, when you attained a little bit of rank in the army and you had been in 15 or so years, you would find yourself in process. And, and, and you know, it was always a problem to in process before that, but then all of a sudden you, you come to this place of uh, understanding where in process is real important. I want to know everybody I can I want to know where the offices are at. I want to go in and shake hands, meet people, uh, pull paws. I used to say P A W S with people. Uh, and just say, "Hey, my name's Doug. This is where I'm working now," and and get to know people. But so often. Uh, we do that in our civilian lives. Or so often we do that in our military lives. But when it comes to God, sometimes we just, we need to know God. We need to know his word. We, we need to know where to find things. We, we need to know how to pray in Jesus' name. We need to know how uh, not to quench the, the Holy Spirit, right? We, 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 need to, we need to know these things so that we put ourselves in a great position to succeed, and it, and it's so important we look at these things. Is let's put ourselves in a position to succeed. I know in the ministry, one of the one of the terms that was used often in the ministry are Are you in the place of grace yet? And boy, that used to bother me. I remember years ago. I think Clarence Sexton preached on that years ago. And and you know, hats off, uh, prayers for uh, Pastor Sexton's family. Pastor Sexton just went to heaven uh, a couple days ago. But I remember th- this idea of the place of grace where uh, where you just totally trust God that same place that Christ was we're going to see that in a few minutes where uh, in a few days where Christ was at just before crucifixion it's it's you have to be in a place of grace to get things done that you have to do it. That has to be the place of grace. And, uh, and we need to be in the place of knowledge where we're learning, where we're reading, where we're praying, where we're hopping on things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Kevin? I know we only got a minute or so for the break, but that, that place of knowledge is so important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's why we need to surround ourselves with, with, uh, you know, good information and people that go are going off of good information. You you will be the same person, it is said, five years from now as you are today, except for two things. The knowledge you gain and the people that you meet and the knowledge is going to be done through books or done uh, through watching, you know, through media information. And so there, that's what's going to change you. It's going to be knowledge. It's going to be the people that can help you and it's going to be the books that you read that are going to help you or the informational videos that you watch. And uh, I want to be that person that's, you know, just kind of soaking in the knowledge of God, and the good things of God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's something that we all should aspire to. And I certainly believe that's something we all can aspire to and, uh, and that God can use obviously. And I love this idea of divine knowledge. I love this idea that I can open the word of God and see something that's so divine, so real. It's the living word of God. I love this idea that I can pray in Jesus name and, and he hears me and, and folks, that's so powerful. And, uh, in just a second, we're going to go ahead and do what the radio stations have to do. And we're going to come back and we're going to dive right into the scriptures today. So hang with us. Bible says over in chapter 16 of the book of John, starting in verse number 28, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth uh, forth from God. Jesus answered him, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now, and it shall be scattered every man uh, to his own, and shall Leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I overcome I have overcome the world. He says, listen, uh, you know, I've come from the Father. I've overcome the world. Uh, I, you know, his disciples are like, man, you get it. You came right down to our place and our station. You explain things to me. And, and, and Jesus questions their belief right there. And, and he says, do you get this? Do you have this? And, again, he's assuring his presence. And, uh, and, and you know, there is a journey. And there's a journey, folks, that comes from belief to understanding. And it's a daily journey. You know, you just don't get saved one day and understand every verse in the Bible the next and have it come to your mind. We read it, we study it, we reflect on it. And, and I think, you know, understanding that there's a divine origin that comes from God's word, that it's divinely there and we trust it, we believe it, and, uh, and that divine origin changes everything, Kevin. Kevin, you're throwing some noise today. i got to be up front with you. But anyway, I'm throwing this at you right now.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry, I'm touching the end of my mic as I'm scratching my my mustache here. So, yeah, knowledge, as you're talking there, there's so many things came to my mind. It's so utterly important to, to, to be liberated by the knowledge of God. That's what the disciples were saying. They were saying, now are we sure that thou... Come, thou camest out from God. You're not speaking, you know, you're speaking plainly. Now we get it. Now we get it. The joy of discovery. And it was given, just like we talked about, in a progressive revelation. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how God teaches us things. He doesn't dump a whole wagon load of stuff on us. Uh, He gives it as we are able to receive it, and uh, here a little, and there a little. And that's how. The disciples finally said, I get it. And let me just tell you, if you're a teacher, you know the joy of discovery in the eyes of your pupils, when they're like just about standing up on their desk in an old class and say, "Now I get it. Chemistry makes sense. I want to be a chemist. Well, that's that's the way it works when we're here at little, they're a little giving out God's word to people, planting seeds, watering the seeds. And one day people say, I get it. This is wonderful. Jesus Christ is my savior. I'm reminded in the book of Nehemiah that they had tremendous revival because they had come back from a traumatic experience called the Babylonian captivity. A lot of people died. There was 70 years of trauma. A few people lived the whole time and, and got to see when they came out. So they went they went to Babylon from Israel and then they went back to Israel after the uh when they were regathered there. And during that period of time, after they built the walls in the book of Nehemiah, they had a time in Nehemiah 8, 8. What a good leader was Nehemiah because he gathered the people together. The priests, it says, read in verse 8 of Nehemiah 8. So they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So that was the job that the priests the teachers preachers took upon themselves i'm not only going to read the scriptures i'm going to tell them what it means and they had to understand what it means by the way in order to tell what it means and it says that um That caused, in verse 9, mourning and weeping for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, hold on, this is not the time to do that. Y'all are traumatized. Now it's not the time to go into a a terrible time of fasting. Go your way. Drink, uh, eat the fat, drink the sweet. I like that. Send portions unto them from nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto the Lord our God. People say holy is to be sad and solemn. No, holy can be joyful because when you get it, When you understand the truths that we're talking about, it is liberating. And you come out of your trauma and you say, I am healed. God's healed me. And that's what's happening here. Neither be you sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites still all the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither be you grieved. Verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat drinks and portions and to make great mirth. Why? Because of the healing from their trauma because they had understood the words that were declared unto them doug there is times where there's nothing that will replace getting into the word of god getting into church where the preacher is not only reading the scripture be, scriptures but giving the sense and by the way if if your heart is totally unsettled in the place where you're going to church i'm not talking about your church is going through a season of dryness going through winter i'm talking about they just the word of god is not explained rather it's a storytelling time or it's Andy Griffith time where the you know some churches have done that where they just go through Andy Griffith and talk about the moral of those stories and <laughs> sp- sprinkle with scripture here and there. Not that that's a bad thing in itself, but that's not enough. No, they read in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. And so whether it's verse by verse or on a topic, you need to get what God says on it. Uh, the, The psalmist said, I will walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. That's in Psalm 119. So when I get the precepts of God's word and find out then how it applies to life, I get the sense of it. It is liberating. And I come out of that with joy and I may come out of it totally uh, floored and, and grieving, But we need to remember. With it, we need to rejoice, and in the New Testament, it's put this way in the book of Hebrews. And make straight, this is in chapter thirteen, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So, if something has been traumatized, again, if you've been through some PTSD, if you're if you're fighting triggers, you're you're um, you're in dissociation, you're in survivor guilt. Um, just somehow that you're really struggling with some stuff. Guess what? You need to remember the joy of the Lord is your strength and that joy needs to be cultivated by a church where you can get into the word of God, get into a Sunday school, it's going to take input on your part to make these choices. But when you make the right choice, you're going to find out that God has got some joy yeah. for the journey as, as a, a fill up of the tank. And you're going to say, man, this feels good to get the word of God, get some knowledge and understanding.
1: Boy, that's good. Hey, folks, I know this is coming up on Christmas Eve on Sunday. I want to read this quick poem to you. I'll try to go through it quick and finish on time. The the littlest Christmas tree lived in a meadow of green among a family of tall evergreens. He learned how to whisper the evergreen song with the slightest of wind that came gently along. He watched as the birds made a home out of twigs and couldn't wait till he too was big. For all of the trees offered a home, the maple, the pine, and the oak who was strong. I hate being little, the little tree said. I can't even turn colors like the maple turns red. I can't help the animals like the mighty old oak who shelters them all with his wide mighty cloak. The older tree said, why little tree? You don't know the story of the mighty king from the land with no snow. Little tree questioned the land with no snow. Yes, said the old tree. A very old story from long ago. A star appeared giving great light over a manger on a long winter's night. A baby was born a king of kings, in him comes love over all things. He lived in a country all covered with sand, and laid down his life to save every man. Little tree thought of a gift given by him, then the big tree said with the happiest grin, we're not just trees, but a reminder of that day. There's a much bigger part in the role that we play. For on Christmas Eve, may my life I'll lay down in exchange for a happier, loving ground. And as I stand dying, and they'll adorn me and trim, this all We've done in memory of him among a wong fire with family and friends. The sweet songs of Christmas I'll sing with great end. Then ever so gently he'll come down to sea and take me to heaven. Jesus and me. So you see, little tree, we're not like the oak who shelters all things beneath his great cloak, nor are we like the maple in fall whose colors leave many standing in awe. The gift that we give is ourselves, limb for limb. The greatest of honor in memory of him. The little tree bowed his head down and cried and thought of the king who willingly died for what kind of gift Can anyone give than to lay down your life when you wanted to live? A swelling of pride came over the tree. Can all of this happen because of just me? Can I really bring honor by adorning a home, by reminding mankind that he's never alone? With this thought, little tree began singing with glee, happy and proud to be a true Christmas tree. You can still hear them singing, even the smallest in height, singing of Christmas on that one holy night. We love you, folks. Merry Christmas. Come back Monday for a special. Broadcast. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you and He will. If we can help you with your salvation, or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.